And now, from a studio apartment in Austin, Texas, it's just another movie podcast. Tuesday? It's Tuesday, right? In a very, oh my God, God awful hot Austin, Texas. And it's only May. And I can feel the Florida man in me choking on the seasonal allergies, which I've never had a problem with until now. Like the Texas allergies are going to get me. The Florida ones missed me. The Texas ones are, are going to try and they're going to try and kill me. I, I have, I have deemed this is going to happen. But it is a hot day here in Austin, Texas. But welcome to another episode of Just Another Movie Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. And it is for this week, if you've not listened to uh, the previous episodes, uh, back two episodes, we did episode one. Oh, we did. I have to. This is going to be where it gets confusing. I can't say episode 100. It's not 100 episodes of the show. It's episode three. It was three but it was show 100 of the AFI top 100 movies of all time. That crazy adventure that I seem to be wanting to torture myself on, but we are here tonight to do the next installment number 99 on the list. And a movie that was not there when AFI made their original list of 100 movies of all time, was not there. It was added on the 10-year anniversary updated list. So something got bumped out (laughs) to make way for a very fitting addition to the list. And that is the first venture between Disney and Pixar, Toy Story. And for this one, I did not want to do this alone i wanted to bring someone on that if i have it my way you will be hearing quite a bit of him on this show i have pretty much promised him of the afi 100 he can essentially just check off whichever ones he wants to do and they're his he gets to call he gets to call permanent dibs in the guest chair he is one of my closest friends uh, one a fellow Disney guy like myself, the host of his own podcast, the Zach Brown Show, where you in- meet new and interesting people for the first time, like they're your they, 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 like you've known them forever. He's that style of an interviewer, and it's such a good show. If you love a good interview and hearing cool stories, I highly recommend it. He is the host of the Zach Brown Show. He is not that Zach Brown. You could put your fried chicken down he's not that zach brown he's not that guy he is my friend and he will soon be yours you've got a friend in me he is zach brown how's it going man what a lead in uh i hope i can 30 minute show we've already killed five you know (laughs) 
It's a glorious three out from out finale. You got a minute and a half. <laughs> ah, oh no. Yeah, exactly. We might go longer than 30 minutes this show. That's okay. Oh, so how you doing tonight, man? I'm great, man. I'm happy to be here yeah. uh, with you, my friend, talking about one of my all-time favorite films. Yeah, it's a double feature. We I just recorded your show uh, not 10 minutes ago, and we stopped to refill our cups and uh, and and came back to do it again. So that you know, but this time we're going to be talking about the Disney Pixar film Toy Story, which I had not seen. Honestly, the last time I saw the original Toy Story was the same day I saw Toy Story 3. Oh, the wow. A- the AMC that I saw it at, or Rave maybe, I can't remember where it was, did a triple feature. They did mm-hmm. Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, and led into Toy Story 3. Fun fact, I have not seen Toy Story 4. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I felt that Toy Story 3 was the closing chapter. Um, so I saw Toy Story 3. Uh, when it came out in theaters and there was so toy story was kind of my film growing up every kid has their movie and i had everything like the bed sheets and the wall art and all the action figures and books mm-hmm. games yada yada and so it was wild is like when they had andy graduating high school and going off to college was the year that i was graduating high school so it was all very very close to home and so sitting in that theater with my parents watching toy story this film that i've grown up on uh and then andy's going away it was just a very, very emotional time for my family. I have not seen it since. <laughs> so. Toy, Story, Toy Story 3 hit me really hard because I remember the day that my mom gave all my Ghostbusters toys away. <laughs> <laughs> just that Terrible. scene of Andy just giving his toys away to Bonnie. Except it, wasn't on, that, mom. it wasn't that emotional for me. My mom just put all my toys, my Ghostbusters stuff in a box and give it away. Like, God. <laughs> And then the new movie came out and all those toys like jumped in value. And I was like, mother, I could be a millionaire. Mother. <laughs> like, you know, you gave my toys away. And now the fire, the, the Ghostbusters firehouse that I had sells for like $500 on eBay. Angry fist shake. Shake me fist. Shaking my fist. All right. But we are here to talk about Toy Story. And uh, we were talking about my style of doing this show in that I am not an educated film critic or a film historian. I am just a guy who likes to watch movies. And that's what this show is all about. It's just another movie podcast because I am just another film guy with a microphone. So I have done... My research for this episode is I rewatched the movie. Perfect. That's it. I that's <laughs> it. So, um, Toy Story, which came out in what nineteen ninety five. I yep. thought it was earlier than that. Nope. Thanksgiving ninety five. Huh. For some reason, I thought it was like ninety three. But then that puts you in like Beauty and the Beast Aladdin era. Mm-hmm. That puts you in the more in the Renaissance. Would you consider Toy Story to be part of the Disney Renaissance? Um, no, I guess on a technicality, no, because they were their own studio. You know what I mean? It was in conjunction. Okay. 
Um, and they were just kind of the little engine that could, you know, they were this ragtag, a group, uh, a group of animators who a lot of them had worked for Disney animation. Right. Um, and because it's Disney Pixar, but you got to understand it's not Disney animation working on the movie. Right. It's Pixar. And it's Which, its own deal. I mean, nobody knows who this John Lasseter guy is, most likely. Yeah. But when the movie opens up and you see like executive producer Steve Jobs, you're like, wait, the, right. the Apple guy? And see, in 1995, I think most of us probably went, who? That's true. Now, now the people that knew who Steve Wozniak were, mm-hmm. you know, was now those people are going, Steve Jobs, really? Okay. But the rest of us, I mean, the iPhone is some. 10 11 years away i think the iphone came out iphone was like 708 0708 so some 12 13 years down the line before you know and even even the first ipod because i to me steve jobs it doesn't become public a public well-known public figure till the first invention of the ipod because even i remember the the what if you could carry a thousand songs in your pocket and I introduced you the iPod and he showed the iPod. And that was, you know, that's when I go, that's it. That's the moment that Steve Jobs becomes Steve Jobs. Yes, he's always been Steve Jobs, but now everybody knows who he is. So when you see stuff like that, you're like, really? Yeah, that's Steve Jobs mm-hmm. was, uh, was a producer, right? Yeah, he was. He was well, he was he, he's, he was one of the owners of Pixar. He, I believe they bought it, the technology originally from, I think, Lucas, or it was in mm-hmm. conjunction. It was basically like their computer. And um, they just started putting together like little commercials and like little little ads, very, and some small shorts. But they've never done anything yeah. on a grand scale. So for mm-hmm. them to come out of the box and do, or out of the gate, excuse me, and to do a feature length film, that was incredibly audacious. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking, there was a factoid that you had sent me when we started talking about doing this episode. Um, you, there was this little factoid about how many people worked on the Lion King. 800. 800 people worked on the Lion King. How many people worked on Toy Story? 110. That's insane. <laughs> like that's, that's a significant gap. That's enough. Like if, as long as you had a decent memory, that's enough that you would actually know people's names. Yeah. Somebody, probably multiple people that worked on Toy Story could walk down the entire list of everybody at Toy Story and, and, and know their name. Or, That's, or you have, could do that. Or recognize the room. They're recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to understand that the people that worked on Toy Story are people like, um, you know, John Lasseter, Pete Doctor, who would go on to do uh, Monsters, Inc., Up, and I believe now... Doesn't he run Pixar? Yeah, he's kind of like the guy. He's like the guy. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Andrew, people like Andrew Stanton, who would go on to do Finding Nemo. Um, Joss Ulrich, Whedon. Joss Whedon was brought in as a script writer. That, yeah, that Joss Whedon. And actually, and we'll get to it, one of the most famous lines in Toy Story is credited to Joss Whedon. And one of the most lovable characters in Toy Story is also credited to a is a Joss Whedon creation in addition to the movie. How about that? How about that? So you know, <laughs> but Lee Ulrich, who went on to do, um, I'm trying to think what was Wally. No, Andrew Stanton was Wally. 
uh, what did Lee see? This is there's, I love that there's so many of these guys. It's kind of like it's like one big band, and they they all kind of break apart, yep. and we're doing so many different things that. And again, you you look at all the Pixar films that follow this, and every single one of them was a smash hit. And oh. I love that so many of them got a shot to do their own film. That's okay. You know, he he did uh, he did Coco. Okay. Not yeah. too shabby. Coco. So yeah, he he turned out all right. So yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see other people that worked on it. Um, yeah, Pete Doctor, Bob Peterson, who is always very funny. If you've ever seen any of the extra features on any of the Pixar movies, he is the voice of Roz. In, okay. Um, in Monsters Inc., he's also the voice of Mister Ray in Finding Nemo. But he's the storyboard. He's a storyboard artist, or he was at the time for Pixar. And to watch him tell story through storyboard, like pitch, mm-hmm. is so fun. I would watch yeah. an entire movie of that. So, but yeah, you got it. All these guys, some of these guys, a lot of them are retired now. Notably, look at the run in Pixar. Mm-hmm. They got they did their work. They're fine. But some of them are still sticking. Some of them are still around. Yeah. You know, Pete Doctor's still in there. I think Andrew Stanton is still around. You know, Lee Ulrich is retired. John Lasseter's moved on as well. You know, but some of them still hanging in there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think the last I I don't remember if I saw Toy Story in theaters. I'm I'm sure that I did. I Thanksgiving '95 I would have been 13, so I'm pretty sure I saw it. I I don't remember, but I knew I I so I can say that I did see it in theaters because I saw the triple feature with one, two, and three. Back to back to back. So you said it was one of the first movies, if not the first movie you saw. And you have a very uh, vivid memory of it. Yeah. So it's it's the first memory movie that I can actually remember the theater experience. The first movie I ever saw in theaters was Lion King. Um, and but but going, I went to the Silver Screen Theater in Pensacola, Florida, and saw um, Toy Story with my cousins. And this is one of those really old, like rundown theaters that. Um, it actually has tables inside the theater. So you could go buy your snacks and sit at tables to watch the movies and they had swivel chairs. So when you're like, three okay. five, when you're five years old, like that's the coolest thing ever that you can be watching a Disney movie and in a spinny chair with your chicken fingers. And um, it, it was such a janky theater that actually like halfway through the movie, the film broke and they had to basically oh, have a no. first intermission. <laughs> so, like I could hey remember, kids, like, we're going to take a short break. Well, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, but I can remember seeing that and just being absolutely um, mesmerized. That was my film. Like I, I, I couldn't get enough. Like had to get the, the toys at Burger King and and see the parade at Disney's MGM Studios. Yep. Um, it was it was like nothing we'd ever seen. And and to think, Toy Story very much in the grain of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which is a movie that we're going to talk about later on in the list the only other disney film animated at least that is on the list that's it yeah it's it's true just two the first disney animated and the first pixar animated there's the only two that make it that's it it was totally groundbreaking right and you think if if snow white is a failure if snow white doesn't make it what happens like do we see it Again, do we see Disney? Does he up and do something else? Does he go on and move on to something else? 
And and that's a snowball that can build really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we get the theme parks? Do we get anything? Does Disney die a, a slow death? It just does it just kind of fizzle out? We 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 put all our eggs in one basket, and it didn't work out, and now we're bankrupt. And Walt's going to go buy a newspaper in Chicago, and maybe becomes a newspaper mogul. Who knows? Like he does yeah. something different. Same thing with Toy Story. What okay with this computer? We're gonna computer animate an, an entire feature film. None of it's done by hand. Like yeah, none of it. Like that's you're you're crazy. That's not gonna work. No one's gonna pay. No one's gonna watch that. And oh, if you, and there's a documentary out there that I highly recommend everybody go watch. It's so incredibly encouraging. It's called The Pixar Story. And even if you just watch that beginning part, like up through Toy Story, to see. I mean, they had like no money. They had come to the point where like at some point it was only John Lasseter working on the movie because everybody was like, I got to go feed my family. I have to feed my family, you know, and to say we we so believe in this project because now we look at it and go, well, of course it's going to work. But they didn't know. I mean, it, who knows? It could have just been some total bomb. Yeah. And I'm trying to think what was after Toy Story? Bugs Life? Bugs Life. Yeah. And at the time, if I remember correctly, at the time of Finding Nemo, a Pixar movie is in development from start to finish at the time. I don't know what it is now. It seems like they turn them around way quicker. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was around eight years. So mm-hmm. imagine. That's a long time. Working on something and it, and it, and it die. Yeah. That's, that's, that's 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 something that'll in that'll end a person like that will destroy you because this thing you worked on and spent all this time and literally a a a quarter of your career you know on and just and really it's amazing when you look like again now we're so used to pixar films like they're a part of the theater experience like there's never not a pixar film out um and they're always a smash sensation. They have award-winning people doing the soundtracks and the voice cast. But when you look at the lineup of that first film, it's, I mean, it's an all-star list. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, you, right out of the gate, you've got Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, who in the mid-90s are like the kings of both film and television. But you've got Jim Varney, who was doing you know, all the Ernest Shorts and movies and you know, Don Rickles. I mean, you know, like legends you know you, you I get, always uh, forget that jim varney is the voice of slink yeah and you've got um you know randy newman doing the music which again yep. like who would have thought but you've got all these people doing these and john rasenberger andy potts like it's it's a wall of sean you've got a big swinging cast and no there's really no reason for them to say yeah i'll do this little rinky dink project we'll see if it goes somewhere that's, I mean, they all kind of took a gamble on the time that went into this project. Yep. And speaking of going into the cast, um, have you ever seen the test footage? Um, the early, early, early test footage of Woody. They did some test animation of Woody and they used the audio from Turner and Hooch. The, of, of Turner, of Hooch uh, chewing the car, the, seat in the car he's like oh not in the car don't chew the car you know yeah that and they animated woody to that to show to tom hanks 
that he was the only person that could play the role. Hmm. So it was Tom Hanks or nothing from the start. But did you know that Tim Allen was not the first choice for Buzz Lightyear? I've heard that there were a few that like they were trying to get, and it was just one of those like they could never find like land on somebody. Do you know who it was until he turned it down? I do know this, but I want you to tell it because you I'm, want me to tell it. Yes. Billy Crystal. Now, with that knowledge, look at Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I don't, I love Billy Crystal. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like also, Tim Allen if, is Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear also, is Tim Allen. If, if Billy Crystal is the voice of Buzz Lightyear, he can't be the voice of Mike Wazowski. Exactly. Buzz Lightyear, Billy Crystal, yes, he's an amazing impressionist. He's an amazing actor, amazing performer. Um, I'm dying to get up to New York to see Mr. Saturday Night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's range, but mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm just questioning the range of Billy Crystal when I say this. <laughs> how dare can, you? <laughs> how dare I? Can he do both Buzz Lightyear and Mike Wazowski? And I feel like if Billy Crystal ever heard me say that, he'd be like, I'll prove it to you. And he'd just do it in front of me. And I'd be like, you were right. I was wrong. Thank I am sorry, sir. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, it's, I do this with, I wanted to do this with this one because I, and I had to do this with Ben Hur as well. I just started kind of Googling fun facts about this movie because you always find something wacky that you're yeah. like, I, that's not true. And then they source it and you're like, oh my gosh. Like, that's not it. What? No. Uh, like, I did not know this. Um, and it was because I never put two and two together that um, had it not been for the success of Nightmare Before Christmas, Disney would have never been open to another to a studio outside of their own, put, oh. putting their name on a studio outside of their own, hmm. which I didn't realize that. I was like, wait, that's what? And I'm like, that can't be right. It is. Interesting. And this is backed up by the fact of John Lasseter and Tim Burton uh, at a D23 panel. Uh, well, they they were like colleagues. They, they were they classmates were, at CalArts. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I mm-hmm. that's another another documentary is Waking Sleeping Beauty. Um, fantastic, fantastic documentary. Go see all the kids that were all hanging out in the same class. And yep. it's it's now like the Hollywood A-list of yep. directors and filmmakers and they were all just a bunch of like punk kids together trying to make a disney cartoon and that's the coolest thing um a lot of what i found about when i was doing the research that i did do well what i found out was there was a lot of back and forth between what disney wanted and what pixar and what pixar that kind of line in the sand that pixar said no this is what we're gonna do mm-hmm. and this is what we're doing like they stuck their ground on a lot um disney wanted more of a fairy tale story not possibly from toy story but they wanted pixar they wanted to work with pixar but they wanted pixar to essentially produce more of the fairy tales of what made the 90s so iconic for disney they wanted pixar to make a little mermaid and aladdin a beauty Mm -hmm. and the beast they wanted that and pixar said they wouldn't do it and and i quote from john lassiter We came up with a list of what we wanted our film not to be. We didn't want it to be a fairy tale. We didn't want a film where the bad guy grows bigger in the third act. 
Why do these? Why do they name these movies after the most boring character in the film? When, when focusing on Aladdin, having our main characters be the most entertaining characters in the film was a top priority. Mm. They they thought that like when you looked at something like Aladdin, they thought that Aladdin was the most boring person in the film, and yet he's the title character. So they didn't want to make. Uh, they didn't want to make a fairy tale and they didn't want to make a movie where the protagonist was the most boring person in the film. And I was like that. Wow. Okay. That. Yeah. Apparently Disney wanted more human characters. Okay. Um, studios. Uh, hi- they actually, to the point that they hired professional writers to doctor the script And by Doctor the Script, I mean create and add in human characters, mostly kids, because they never quite got the fact that the movie was about the toys. The problem was later fixed when a bright-eyed kid named Joss Whedon came (laughs) on to Doctor the Script. It's fantastic. Um, So Joss Whedon, going into that, Joss Whedon, uh, most notably known for the two biggest contributions to... Toy Story is one of uh, the most beloved characters, which is the creation of Rex. Oh, that's awesome. I love Rex. That is a toy. That is, we leave it to Joss Whedon to create a dinosaur character. <laughs> and also the, the very iconic line of Buzz Lightyear's, you're a sad, strange little man and you have my pity. Farewell. That is, that is a, <laughs> that is a Joss Whedon. I love that creation, which that reminds me of the story. Have you heard the story about, um, have you ever watched, uh, there's a documentary on the DVD and Blu-ray for Blazing Saddles where Mel Brooks, just the making of that movie, how that movie exists is a a miracle, but how originally Richard Pryor was hired as a writer and was also hired to star as Bart in Blazing Saddles. They eventually decided they didn't want him to star in the movie because they thought he was just, he just was too vulgar, but they kept him on as a writer. He ended up getting fired, but not before he created the character of Mongo and wrote the line, Mongo only pawn in Game of Life. (laughs) That's the when I read that about Joss Whedon. I was like, that is so... Like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to create one character, I'm going to write one good line, I'm going to get a check, and I'm going to leave. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Like, is Joss Whedon's name even on the movie? Uh, I think so. I've never watched to see if it was, so... uh, He's like, I'll be back to do Avengers later. (laughs) (laughs) Call me when you're ready to make superheroes that people don't think is going to (laughs) work. So, (laughs) uh, let's see. Some of the other crazy stuff. And that this I also have seen uh, because there's test footage of it that exists. I think it's mostly storyboards with some like very, very rough demo audio. Um, apparently, have you ever seen the footage that Woody started out kind of being a jerk? Oh, yeah. Like he, he almost looked like a ventriloquist dummy or something. And he he just- did. He was originally supposed to be a, ventricle, a vent, uh, ventriloquist dummy can't say that word tonight (laughs) he was originally he was really supposed to be that and he was written and voiced to be kind of sarcastic and just kind of be kind of a jerk 
Like yeah, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who I believe was head of the studio, Disney studio at the time, yeah. uh, really was pushing for Woody to be more sarcastic and snarky. But I mean, people are just coming to the point that we really don't like this character. We don't want. Yeah, there was nothing to, to like about him. him. And he was your lead. He was like the main leader of the toys. He had to be something that they, if all the other toys hate Woody, <laughs> He can't right. be their leader. <laughs> he can't do it. So, and you look at him now, and you're like, sure, he's neurotic, but they all love him. <laughs> yeah. Um. So obviously, the most the iconic voice of Tom Hanks uh, as Woody, a, a role that I can't picture anybody else voicing. However, there is someone else that does it, and it's oh, yeah. Tom Tom Hanks's brother Jim. He's like the guy when it comes to like toys and parades and yes. video games. Like essentially he does Jim's all locked. of the, the B and C work. Yeah. Like unless it's a toy story movie or something official that like they need Tom Hanks to do it. Mm-hmm. They get his brother cause he's cheaper and you know, <laughs> it sounds pretty much like his brother. You don't got to pay him that Oscar money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> You don't get. He's not Tom getting Hanks a Philadelphia just, movie. Or Philadelphia right. Tom money. Hanks just walks in with one of his mini Oscars, just polishing it, going. So who's going to pay me to say these five lines for the celebrate a dream come true dance party? <laughs> and, and here's my thing. So I've had this conversation before, and I ha- I hear I say this every time I see like a Buzz Lightyear or Woody action figure like in a Disney park and it's not the right voice. I would say if I was ever in the position to where I was going to be in a Disney film and I was to do the character, I would have it in my contract that I don't care how minuscule and minute the voiceover need is. If it is a McDonald's happy meal toy that I am doing the voice because kids know the difference. People don't give kids enough. And you now that, they go, now oh, that that's, that's that not really Woody. Now that I have that knowledge, I will, anytime I hear Woody talk in like Paint the Night or any of the parades or any of the toys, I'm going to go, that's not Tom Hanks. That's Jim. That is his brother, Jim. Jim Hanks. <laughs> it sounds like his evil twin. That's not Tom. <laughs> that's Jim. Yeah. I feel like this is a lie. I feel like this is not true. That's just what Tom Hanks says so that he can sound cooler. <laughs> like it's just Tom Hanks with a mustache. Yeah. Like a really bad, like $5 party city, really thick black mustache. He looks like Burt Reynolds, you know, <laughs> that's, that's it. And it's like, that's Tom Hanks. I'm not Tom Hanks. I'm his brother, Jim. No, no, you're not. You're not Jim Hanks. We need to see You're your Burt Reynolds license. from Gator. I didn't see. We need to see your driver's license. I left it in the car. <laughs> we really needed to go get it. Well, now to think about it, I think I left it at home. <laughs> like, you know, he's never got ID on him. Like, you know, it's like um, you have you heard of uh, the Disneyland cast member Maynard? Yes. OK. Anytime he's at, at Haunted Mansion, he wears a different name tag because it's his evil twin. OK. I say that now he retired. He retired at the end of April. So I'm I'm happy I got to see him at Disneyland one time. One time. I've got a great picture with him. So, but yeah, anytime he anytime he'd work at Haunted Mansion, it was always his evil twin. So it wasn't if you ran him, you're like Maynard. He'd be like, that's not me. That's fine. That's my brother. You know, that's my evil twin. 
<laughs> no, it's like that's that's the gym in Tom Hanks right there. Um, let's see. Uh, of course, there's the 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 start of the toy the Pixar Easter eggs. Uh, what one twenty six is the Cal Arts classroom, right? Is it one twenty six? What's the something number? like that? There's a it's a classroom from Cal Arts. I don't want to say it's a one a one thirteen a one thirteen. Is it one thirteen? I think it's a one thirteen. Okay, it's the it's a classroom from Cal Arts. This number appears in like every Pixar movie somewhere. Yeah, I'm there's pretty the, sure it's a one thirteen. There's the Pizza Planet truck mm-hmm. that starts in this one. Uh, there's the Tinker Toy can that uh, Woody delivers his speech from is obviously a throwback to uh, the very first Pixar short uh, tin toy. Okay. So there's, you know, you start all these, the big one that is, you know, obviously we don't know these are Pixar Easter eggs in this film, but they become Easter eggs when you see the pizza planet truck uh, in Wally. Yeah. And, or you see, you know, uh, one Easter egg uh, that they did hide because obviously Tim Allen at the time, well-known at the height, I would say, of Home Improvement. My absolute favorite. <laughs> loved, loved that show. Loved that show so much. Um, the toolbox on top of the milk crate that Woody is trapped in is a Binford toolbox. I love that so much. Which is a throw to... Uh, which is a throw to home improvement. So um, let's see. Originally. uh, Oh, here we go. Some of Tom, uh, some of Woody's most memorable lines are all improvised by Tom Hanks. Some Hmm. of them, they gave him so much material. He gave him so much material that some of these improv lines from 1994 and 1995 in the recording sessions are present as far as into Toy Story 4. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so some of his lines in Toy Story 4 are 20 years old. Like That's so cool. Uh, yeah. Tom Hanks, That's, everybody. Tom Hanks, everybody, or Jim <laughs> Hanks. It could be Jim Hanks. Hey, Jim. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. Uh, one of the ultimate questions, why isn't Andy, Andy's dad around? Why, why, is, why is uh Andy a, a solo parent household? Cheaper and of course, to animate. Everybody said, oh, it's because Disney only does single parents. I mean, look at everybody. Everybody only had single parents. You know, the only one that had a happy childhood was Sleeping Beauty. I really wouldn't call that a happy childhood. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just because she had two parents. That's not a happy childhood, okay? It's not, no, that's not a good example. Um, yeah, you were right. It was cheaper. It was cheaper to animate, and they didn't feel that he was important enough to the film. All right. Works. works. <laughs> there you go. You don't matter, and it saves us money. That, that's <laughs> why you're not in here. Get so out, great. Andy's dad. Um, the movie single-handedly saved the Etch-A-Sketch. Okay. How's that? The Ohio Art Company, the company that makes the Etch-A-Sketch, was nearly bankrupt before Toy Story. After they allowed Etch to be in the film, they saw a 20% sales increase that saved the company. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, 
<laughs> so they were about to go out of business. They throw Etch-a-Sketch into a movie and it saves the company. Now, is I, the Ohio I probably Art- got an Etch-a-Sketch because of the movie. No joke. I had an Etch-a-Sketch before the movie because I'm old. And so there's that. In, in, in the 1985, Etch-a-Sketch was the height of toy technology. Okay. There you go. You can draw straight lines and then shake it and make it disappear, but don't break it open because what's inside of it is poison. Welcome to the 80s, kids. That's what trying I, to kill you. So what did we do? Broke it. We wanted to find out. We wanted to find out what was inside Stretch Armstrong, so we cut his arms and legs off. The answer, goo. Not <laughs> um, goo. a messy substance that you are definitely going to get in trouble with if you get it on the carpet. That's what's in it. That is what is in it. Uh, Disney really wanted Toy Story to be a musical. Uh, when Disney met with John Lasseter, well into production of Toy Story, they brought along a few, <clears throat> six or seven, songs that were written that they wanted added to the film. When Lasseter broke the news to the poor people that Toy Story wasn't going to be a musical, his, quote, face went completely white. I <laughs> thought he, I, th- I think he thought he was going to be fired. Of course, Toy Story did need a song, and Lasseter and his team knew from the start there was only one guy suitable for the job, Randy Newman. There was so much sincerity in his insincere delivery that that was what Toy Story was all about. And just like that, You've Got a Friend in Me was born. How about it? The only song in the original Toy Story, right? Other than the score. Well, no, you got the uh, Strange Things. When oh, there's the transition. Okay. And then there's the, the ballad when Buzz like breaks his arm, the the flying song, whatever that is. Oh yeah, you're right. It's always the part when you watch as a kid and you're like, this is the boring part. <laughs> but it's the well, shit. Yeah, and, and you think of you've got a friend in me, you're like, no, that song's so iconic. It's the only song in the movie. It's that good. It's like it's the only song that matters. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Like there's other songs in it. It's just the only song that matters. Um and of course, it was the highest grossing film of 1995, grossing over $191 million in the box office, making it run. the highest grossest film of the year. Um, just for point of reference, $191 million is what a Marvel movie makes in its first weekend. Wow. It's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's crazy and but imagine if, like this is their again their first foray of doing like a full a full-length film and they go out and and take the box office you know what i mean like yeah. there's guys who are releasing that film their films that year that have been doing this for years that were seasoned pros and these mm-hmm. like punk kids from california come out with their for lack of a better term cartoon and it's about toys and you know takes the nation by storm i mean Buzz Lightyear and Woody were everywhere, you know, like you couldn't escape those characters. So here we go. Highest grossing films of 1995. Here we are. Now, I don't know why this is Wikipedia, so you can never mm-hmm. take this as 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 gospel. This has Die Hard with a Vengeance at number one at okay. three hundred and sixty six million dollars. Now, this might be due to inflation. Right. Number two, Toy Story, 363. Number three, Apollo 13. Another Tom Hanks. So movie. in the same year, right, in the same year, Tom Hanks has the number two and number three highest cursing film of 1995. Number four, GoldenEye. 
Wow. Okay. Number five, another Disney film. Can you guess what it is? 1995? Uh, would that be Pocahontas? Grossed at 346. Yep. 346 million. It is Pocahontas. Yep. Uh, number six, one of the worst movies um, <clears throat> ever, Batman Forever. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Joel Schumacher. I can't with you. Um, see, that's one I want to do on this show. I want to do um, my five favorite like Batman films. Okay. Number seven <laughs> is seven. Oh. That's, that's fitting, right? Yeah. Coming at number seven, the movie seven. Um, followed by Casper. Followed by Waterworld. Oh, poor Waterworld. And number 10, 267, or excuse me, 262.7 million. It's a Robin Williams movie. You want to take a guess? In 1995. 1995. Hmm. Is that, is that Jumanji? It no. is Jumanji. Oh, okay. It is Jumanji. Yeah. So, yeah, there two we go. Tonight. Yeah, you got it. You're right on that. Two for two. You got that. I, uh, so yeah, Toy Story, number, coming in number 99 on the AFI 100. So the big question becomes should it be higher on the list? Should it not be on it? I, I, I can't say, would you swap it one spot with Ben Hur? I mean, that just kind of feels kind of, that feels kind of like a minute change. So it's either you bump it up higher or do you, does it, was it kind of an addition that need, need really need to be there? I mean, I think for, for what it contributed to American film, I think it does deserve, it's deserving to be on a list um, yeah. in the grand scheme of history of the films that are, that we're going to, you know, see go down this list of 100, um, you know, does it need to be higher? Probably not. Because I mean, when you look at the films that are on this list, you know, there's so much more deserving, but when you look at like the craftsmanship that went into creating this, the risk that it took, I think that's probably factored in. Um, it's a good story. It's clever. It's a funny script. Um, the voice acting is good. There's like heart and you, you don't listen to these guys. Like they're just phoning it in. Like the, the actors that are doing the, these voice performances, it's good. Like they're great deliverance and there's, um, and it holds up. That was the thing that I thought, you know, in preparation for this, I wanted to watch it again and think, okay, does this hold up because I have nostalgia, you know, like it, it, this is good memory or does this hold up because it's a, it's a good film. And it really does. It's, it's well put together. Like sound design is great. Um, so a very roundabout way to answer your question. Uh, I think it's sitting at a good spot. Um, what is number 98? Number 98 is Yankee Doodle Dandy. Which the James Cagney um, movie about, um, oh, I just watched it. Um, oh, gosh. It's about a guy putting macaroni in his cap, right? Right. It's about the guy on, it's about the guy that put the macaroni in his cap. Yeah. <laughs> why am I, why am I, uh, George M. Cohan. Uh, who was a very famous uh, vaudeville and Broadway performer. He also wrote, I believe he wrote Grand Old Flag and Over There. He wrote some classic songs that you know, 
that um it's a it's very good it was i honestly really enjoyed it because i've only ever known james cagney as you know the public enemy gangster movies yeah so when he comes out tap dancing as good as any other you know mm-hmm. famous dance you know song and dance you know film uh dancer i was like oh okay Mm-hmm. I didn't know you could do that. So I was pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to talking about that one. And I highly recommend that you watch it. It's very good. It's not very long. It's only maybe two hours. So it's okay. not, it's not very long. And it's got, it's, um it's a great movie musical. It's got, it's mostly, it's mostly songs. It's mostly performance. So mm-hmm. you get what you want, what you love out of an old Hollywood movie musical. Cool. It's just, check you know, that out. And it's black and white, so it's very, it's you know, then I said it's very, very good. I uh, highly recommend it. It's all framed, and he gets he's doing a show. I want to say it's Eisenhower. They don't say who it actually is, but he gets called to the White House because he and he thinks that the president's gonna, you know, like put him in front of a firing squad, and you know, <laughs> and like because he's he's out here lampooning about the president, yeah, and really. Uh, the president really, you know, really likes him and wants to hear his story. And, you know, it's so it's very good. Cool. I'll it's, definitely it's, check it's it out. It's very done in a we start in the present, we flash back, we end in the present. So okay. it's very, it's very good. But Zach, uh, tell people where they can find the Zach Brown show. We Well, you can find us really most places where you get your podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Google downcast whatever your flavor is we are most likely there um and, and tell people i i gave a little bit a very loose very very simple explanation kind of give people the rundown what what is the zach brown show well, mike i think you kind of summed it up really well it's uh, a play, I, my tagline is meet old friends for the first time everybody has a story and a passion and you know uh the great thing about humans is that we are all very, very different, but we are all incredibly similar. And the moment that you talk to somebody else and have the, wait, you too, that's when people become friends and connect. And uh, I just love to have people come on and share their stories. And hopefully uh, you walk away with a new story, a new appreciation, or you just feel uh, that the world's that much smaller and that much more friendly. Well, you know, I, I highly recommend it, uh, you know, out there for you. If you love it, just a good interview. And hearing people's stories, um, it, I highly recommend checking it out. He's got he's had some excellent guests on there. Uh, he's had me on there. Uh, I was there back in the early, early days of the show, one of the first right. couple episodes. Uh, and then we recorded tonight. So you'll see me on there again very soon. So um, don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. I'm going to get that. <laughs> I'm going to get my going to get my repeat visitors jacket. That's right. Well, right. For, for the for, for the two timers, you get a. Uh, uh, a windbreaker or not really oh, cool. at the, not at the okay. velvet crushed velvet uh yeah, we'll get there. That's, that, that's a five timers <laughs> five timers club but zach thank you so much for coming uh coming on the show Pleasure. and you know for those of you listening thank you for hanging out with us listening to hear us talk hearing us talk about toy story uh, we've got a lot of really really cool stuff coming up next week zach i know you are excited we have kenobi oh yes Right? 
Like, oh, wait, week. what? I know. I know it's TV and this is a movie podcast, but we're going to do it. We're going to do episode. We're going to do episodes on that. So okay. um, we are going to do episodes about Kenobi on the show. So those will be here. So we got those starting next week. Uh, I've got to do Yankee Doodle Dandy. And then I think there's like a rush of movies where I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm going to have to push through this <laughs> and, and get to, I think, Goodfellas is the next one that I'm like, all right, like that's the one I'm looking forward to. So got a lot of cool stuff coming up. So make sure you are subscribed to the show, Apple Podcasts, following on Spotify. While you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Tell people what you love about the show. Follow the show on Instagram, Just Another Movie Podcast. Follow us on Facebook as well. Join the discussion over there. Hey, and thank you guys for tuning in. And I will see you next time. See ya.